I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Arts and culture is part of the creative economy, but the creative economy is bigger than just arts and culture. Uh, If you take a company, for example, like Netflix, Netflix has artists both directors and sound designers and actors and actresses who work for them, but they also have software and they have advertising teams and they have uh, production specialists, lighting specialists, hardware designers, etc. So art and culture is one piece of any creative company, but the creative companies today have much broader Uh, jobs that they include and they touch on more industries than just arts and culture and when you go up to a 30,000 foot level and you look at the creative economy you see that as well yeah how you day how you day today we're talking about creative entrepreneurship and just how important that is in today's economy how that can fuel inspiration and how that can ultimately change the world i love today's discussion because I think she gives us a new way to reframe entrepreneurship. A lot of times, the narrative around creatives is that you're a starving artist, so therefore you can't really make money. And Alice says no. She says no. And she actually talks to us about why that's not true and why it's important to start at a young age and how she uses her accelerator to create the next generation of global leaders. Hope you enjoy the episode. And if you have any questions, let Alice know on her website. Let me know on Instagram or Twitter at Ty Roxon. I'm here for you. And I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this. All right. Enjoy the episode and happy holidays. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Alice Loy. Alice is a co-founder of Creative Startups and widely considered a leading authority on entrepreneurship in the creative economy. Dr. Loy created a creative startups accelerator with a vision for catalyzing high growth companies formation in the underserved creative economy. She's a sought after speaker on topics ranging from developing creative economic systems to investing in the creative economy. Alice frequently travels to Europe, Asia, Latin America, and works with entrepreneurs and economic development leaders. Alice has also lived and worked in Mexico, Costa Rica, Spain, and China, and she holds a PhD in strategic communication and entrepreneurship as well as an MBA. She speaks Spanish fluently. So this interview is going to be in Spanish. I'm sorry for people that don't speak uh, um, Spanish. We will definitely have an English version later on. I'm totally kidding. But welcome to the show, Alice. <laughs> Hola. Gracias. Uh, oh, gracias. Hi, I'm delighted to be with you. Bienvenidos. Uh, ahora, 
podemos hablar en español. Welcome to the show. So you have quite the background. Uh, you know, I was reading your bio there. You, obviously, your specialty is in creative entrepreneurship and in creative economy. Um, but I'm interested, though, in learning about the early parts of your life. You know, what fed this curiosity to dive into this career that you have right now? Well, first, I have to say that um, whenever I get introduced and someone is reading through my bio, I'm, I feel like I'm sort of floating above my body thinking, who's that? Mm. And how come I can't get my teenager to do the dishes? <laughs> I mean, it, that's the one thing that I would love to have on my resume these days. Yeah. So <laughs> hey. uh, I grew up in Southern California and... Um, I, interestingly, I think a lot of the way I think about differing cultures comes from having parents who had different backgrounds, not in terms of race, but in terms of class. My mother grew up in a, a very well-to-do family that was highly educated. My father was the first in his family to go to college, and he had to wait until he was 26 and could put himself through college. Uh, and those class differences were very obvious throughout my childhood, um, having two sets of very different grandparents. I then, during college, uh, had an experience in Mexico. I took a month-long Spanish immersion class, and I still very clearly remember walking down the street in Hermosillo, Mexico, which is not a beautiful city by any stretch. The rest of Mexico is this spectacular colonial mountainous landscape. Hermosillo is flat, sandy desert, and it's just an industrial city, and I fell in love with it. Mm. I, I found it to be the most exciting month of my life. I didn't speak a lick of Spanish, despite being from Southern California. And I remember walking by a tortilleria and smelling the corn tortillas, and they were coming off of the conveyor belt, as they do in Mexico. And I stood there transfixed, and I said, come hell or high water, I'm going to learn Spanish. And I did. And now when people meet me, they think, are you Mexican? What's your deal? You don't look Mexican at all. But I have worked really hard to get to a place where my Spanish is pretty good. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's like me with French. Um, I lived in Burkina Faso, a French-speaking country, and I fell in love with the language there. But when we moved, did the best I could to keep it in my vocabulary, because uh, if you don't use it, you lose it especially. So uh, it's so cool to hear you say that. So that, that experience with you with Mexico really shaped a lot of what you do today um, in terms of, I guess, fueling your curiosity. You know, I was reading a bio. You have interests in, in establishing, you know, um, a lot of, you know, ecosystems in different continents. I'm very curious how you feel like that led you to launching your current uh, company, Creative Startups. Well, another experience that I had was in Costa Rica, and I was living um, in the eastern province, which, uh, just to give some context, until 1976, it was illegal for uh, black Costa Ricans to leave the eastern province of Limon. Mm. That's how prejudiced and segregated it was. And so when I was there in 1994 and 5, 20 years after that, it was still suffering enormous poverty and um, just a complete lack of recognition of 
the beauty and the cultural value and the, the interestingness that Eastern Costa Rica is. If you go there today, you see that people have discovered that. Um, but I was working with indigenous people and I met a man uh, who had maybe a fifth grade education and we became friends and we just coincidentally sat at a bus stop together one day and started talking and he became a friend because he was this incredibly bright person. And I realized, I remember I was, I was 21 or 22 years old. I was really young and I realized there are brilliant people in every community, regardless of education, regardless of income. There are stone cold geniuses living everywhere all around the world. And how can we unleash those people? How can we reach those people and equip them to build their community? That was a question very early on I started to grapple with. Um, And that led me to, over time, uh, getting an MBA because I saw that business was sort of a language that you can use to organize people and to mobilize people, Um, but moreover, falling in love with entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs because those are the people who build social change. And yes, they might use business as an organizing factor, but they are pursuing a vision for their community that is probably pretty different than where their community is at right now. Um, and they need a lot of help from people to get there. And so we become one of those pieces of the puzzle. Wow. I love that. love that. Now, this concept that you champion, uh, creative entrepreneur, right, uh, and the creative economy, what, what would you define both of them as? Let's start off with what a creative uh, economy is and then what a creative entrepreneur is, who they are, you know, how they're similar and different from other entrepreneurs. Sure. So first of all, I, I always say, first and foremost, all human beings are creative mm. everywhere. All mm. humans are creative. That's fundamentally what makes us different from, from my German shepherd, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Although he can get pretty creative when he sees me eating a steak in terms of how he <laughs> approaches, you know, I like some of that. But <laughs> generally speaking, human beings are unique because we are creative. Um, entrepreneurs, whatever industry they are in, are creative and they're creating something new. The World Bank, the UN, other large international organizations define the creative industries as those industries which uh, come from making money from ideas, basically. So what does that translate into? Yes, it's art, although that's a pretty small piece now of the creative industries. You have everything from technologies used to make film, media, advertising, architecture, design, industrial design, product design, software design. Um, The creative industries tend to be the things that are related to culture. The way you build a house is probably different in Burkina Faso than Costa Rica. Um, And related to a new form of creativity or a new form um, or self-expressive product or service. So it could be Disneyland. That's a creative business. It could be Adobe, which has software that allows us to create films, photos, documents. Um, or it could be a guitar player who just wrote a new song. Hmm. That's interesting. And and the reason why I brought that up, because I, I know you're going to talk about the creative economy as well, is because I exist in this intersection where, you know, I could be considered a creative to some and then 
by some other standards, maybe that people aren't used to defining me as a creative because a lot of times people say, well, you should be, you know, people have limited def- definitions of what creators are. Sometimes they say, well, you're not a painter. You're not a this. You're, you're different. You speak and you, you, you write. But I'm also very much in the startup uh, ecosystem where I'm, I'm always meeting up with CEOs and we're always figuring out ways to, f- to build businesses to create more inclusive environments. And I'm in that intersection. And sometimes when I talk to people, particularly here in New York City, I do hear a lot of people say, it is very tough for you to be a creative and make money because I don't know about the business sides or people don't take me seriously. What do you say to, to that? I would say that most of the great entrepreneurs have actually been creative entrepreneurs. So even if you look at Steve Jobs, yes, he was a technologist, but he used design to radically innovate at Apple and build it into the company it is today. Um, so I guess I would say, first of all, that creatives have every single, every bit as much ability to build a growth company mm. as any other entrepreneur, but we discount them. So that's part of the reason that we're building this movement, because humanity can't afford to put any change makers on the sidelines. Gotcha. We've got really serious problems right now, and we need every kind of entrepreneur, especially those who are working for a stronger community and a fabric that is inclusive in our communities. We need them on the front lines with us. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, and it's always interesting to me because I, I tend to agree with you in the sense that the world that we live in today is full of very, very, very diverse people, multiple ideas, different platforms coming up and different ways that we can tell stories. And I've, I've often thought that stories are the way our world uh, has been built, right? The stories that we hear inform our, a lot of our worldviews and a lot of our biases and things like that. But I think one thing that creatives can do is really show how culture and art can, can um, impact the way we do business. And if we're able to create platforms for them to, to, to basically do what they do best, we have a very healthy ecosystem that informs the world just how truly diverse we are at their heart creative entrepreneurs are storytellers they're people who reflect who we are through the stories they tell whether it's in film or music or advertisements architecture design those are stories we tell about ourselves and share with other people and using those stories to connect around solutions is a powerful medium for galvanizing humans to work on the problems that we have Okay. Okay. No, I love it. So I know a lot of people have been hearing us talk about the creative economy and the creative entrepreneur a lot, but I want you to break this down even further. When you say creative economy, what is it and how is it different from arts and culture? Sure. So arts and culture is part of the creative economy, but the creative economy is bigger than just arts and culture. Uh, If you take a company, for example, like Netflix, Netflix has artists both directors and sound designers and actors and actresses who work for them, but they also have software and they have advertising teams and they have uh, production specialists, lighting specialists, hardware designers, etc. So art and culture is one piece of any creative company, but the creative companies today have much broader uh, jobs that they include, and they touch on more industries than just arts and culture. And when you go up to a 30,000-foot level and you look at the creative economy, you see that as well. 
So yeah. you might run a theater, a local theater, but you are also then using software to schedule performances. You might have invented a new light that works just in small theaters. Um, most creative companies that are growing and doing well are innovating with technologies, utilizing all kinds of new platforms, and um, growing through that innovation. Yeah, yeah. And as you go through the innovation, as you grow through the innovation, you also become this creative entrepreneur. Who are these people? You know, I, I know I'm one of them, but I'm being plain devil's advocate here. Who are these people and how are they similar from other entrepreneurs, you know? Yeah, great question. Yeah, mm -hmm. So I think for us, the way we know when someone is a creative industries entrepreneur, they can pretty readily identify uh, how they contribute to culture and creativity. So when I say to a creative entrepreneur like you, if I say, well, how is it that podcasting shares stories and creates meaningful cultural exchanges? You can readily speak to that. Whereas someone who maybe is just a, a tech entrepreneur um, isn't necessarily as grounded in culture and creativity of a place or a people or a geography. Uh, they would say, well, I have a solution and it works in any market and it's based on this algorithm, et cetera, et cetera. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't have an identity around why those stories matter, how those stories connect people, how they build culture and, and, share creative expression across domains. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm also very interested in your in your work because your company, you know, the Creative Startups Accelerator Program, is it's basically become the leading accelerator globally for creative industries worldwide. So mm -hmm. why are you so excited about it? How do you recruit people? What is what is the vision? What's the goal? How is it gonna, you know, change communities and the future of industries? When we started, Teo, we had a, a dream that we would be able to reach creatives um, across New Mexico. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we didn't foresee uh, being a force globally. I, I don't think we um, didn't want that. We just hadn't thought about it. But when we started the Accelerator, the first year, uh, we did a lot of online uh, social media advertising and promotions and outreach. And we ended up getting almost the same number of people from around the world saying, hey, could you do that accelerator here in my community as we got applicants? So we got about 60 applicants that first year and around 50 to 60 people contacted us. And we realized that globally the creative economy is not only huge, um, but it's undervalued and Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For people who are saying, wait a minute, that's an economic area we could invest in and grow companies in. So, for example, Indonesia just launched a multi-billion dollar initiative through BCRAF, which is their agency that's looking at how to build their creative economy into a, a global player. Um, we've worked in Malaysia with startups. Uh, Singapore is putting a lot of effort into film and music and innovation and design. Uh, so everywhere you go all around the world, Colombia in Latin America is one of the leaders now in the creative economy. Everywhere you go all around the world, people are paying attention to the creative economy uh, and wondering how they can support entrepreneurs in the creative economy. Yeah. And, and I believe I was reading somewhere that you, the way that you're different from other online or offline creative communities is that you, you're 100% focused on the entrepreneurial journey of creative founders. But yeah. While you celebrate, of, uh, go ahead. While you celebrate uh, creativity, you don't teach it. That's what that's what I was getting at. You say you don't teach it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't really need to teach creatives mm-hmm. um, how to be creative in their products and services. We do, however, um, have a learning journey that kind of forces them to be creative as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as profit makers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in no way. Do we uh, suggest that creatives should abandon any of their creativity? Instead, we say use that same creativity over here on your business model and on your products so that they delight your customers more and you build a more sustainable business. Yeah, yeah. But so we don't need to teach them, you know, how to do lighting design. Um, that's not what we do, but we can help them identify, okay, the way I tackle problems is creative. How can I apply that to my business? You also don't believe that creatives struggle to understand business. No, of course not. Business is um, not a complicated set of activities to understand. Entrepreneurship is a really hard journey to survive. So, you know, business is pr- frankly uh, something that any smart 12-year-old kid could get. It's pretty basic concepts. Um, but doing it well, therein lies the challenge. Uh, and creative people often have a, a better chance of building a, a thriving company because they're not doing it the same old way. I have an MBA and I learned how, you know, in classes, we, uh, you know, we, we learn how to shave 2% off of costs. Yeah. Well, that's not disruption. That's not innovation. That's just shaving 2% off. Um, <laughs> whereas an innovative creative entrepreneur can come along and say, uh, you know, we're just going to take that cost off the table and put it on the customer. Look at Ikea. Ikea yeah. as a design firm has taken the cost of building furniture and instead said to us as customers, hey, you can pay us to build your furniture. How yeah. does that sound? That's a pretty disruptive way to run a design company. You know, I love the distinction that you make between entrepreneurship and business because you are someone that believes that teaching entrepreneurship to four-year-olds, you know, you believe it is a very important thing. I, I believe you said in the past, if you had a wand, you would have elementary schools teach the basic skills of entrepreneurship, empathy, critical thinking, storytelling, design, and courage. Yep. Why? 
So my mother was an educator, an early childhood educator. And when children are four, uh, three and four, they start to have an understanding of the other. They start to understand that they are their own person, and this other person might have a problem that's different, right? They have empathy forming. That's the foundational skill that entrepreneurs need to identify problems that they could solve for other people. So whether it's uh, somebody identifying that it's hard to connect with family during the holidays, therefore here's an app that allows you to share stories about family time during the holidays, or it's Uber saying, here's a taxi right when you need it, right where you are. That ability to empathize allows us to see other people's problems. As you build out from there, you can see that once you're six, seven, eight, you can start to understand mathematical concepts that allow you to say, well, I can't afford to build something that solves that problem because nobody can afford to pay me to do that. You can just do the basic math of if it costs you $10 to build it, somebody better pay you $20. Um, So those building blocks are there throughout childhood. The piece that we are missing so badly here in the U.S. is the disruptive, innovative, creative thinking. And so we're not giving our kids an opportunity to say, how could you do this very differently? Instead, we're teaching them to memorize and to repeat and feedback information, which is a completely different process. We're teaching them, frankly, to get jobs instead of start new innovative companies. And that, I believe, is why we are seeing entrepreneurship decline in the United States, which is worrisome. Yeah. No. So I, I think if we taught it earlier, we would be growing a new generation of entrepreneurs instead of raising people who will, quite frankly, just go work for the man. I do think we need to get back to critical. I wrote something about that a few months ago, and I put it up on my social media platform. I think, you know, the idea of stopping and reflecting, or not letting our opinions go unchecked, and and just basically expanding our mind, is something that we haven't really fostered in the education system. You know, a lot of times it's, this is how it is. This is how it's always been. So accepted. And that doesn't really foster the creativity or the curiosity uh, for, of kids at a very young age. And I think we are, at our, we're probably at our most curious when we're young, we're trying to discover things in the world. And when you stifle that at the age you said, three, four, five, it becomes pretty, becomes a habit for you to just accept what's being told to you. And yeah. It's interesting that you say that uh, because I do believe that, that that does lead to the the empathy that we need in the world today, but also the ability to solve uh, problems uh, today. And to that point, your one of your favorite quotes is from Margaret Mead, who says, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So <laughs> you're, you're essentially creating a community of people who are going to change the world and you're allowing them to be the entrepreneurs that they're meant to be. I do wonder, though, if you've seen uh, challenges that uh, that you believe that, specific challenges, rather, that you believe that creative entrepreneurs can tackle effectively. Um, I think one of the most important pieces of the puzzle that creative entrepreneurs bring is an ability and a, a desire, really, to connect with people across cultures. So creative entrepreneurs are telling the stories of people who are different, right? I can watch a movie from, for example, Nigeria, and I can say, gosh, they look different, but in so many ways, their lives are similar. I can really relate to that person, to that story. I want to be a part of the solution. Mm. So 
for me, probably the most important piece about working with creative entrepreneurs is we are equipping people who are helping human beings understand each other around the world and appreciate each other around the world. I think without that, uh, all the problems that we want to tackle, whether it's climate change or famine in Yemen, if we don't care about those people, we're not going to work very hard to solve their problems with them. Yeah. So for me, that's the most important piece around creative entrepreneurship. Um, but I also think there's some interesting, um, there's an interesting allure to the creative economy for youth. Uh, it's an area where young people uh, are excited to join in and tell stories, whether it's on YouTube or through gaming, other ways that they can engage in the world. And we have a lot of disaffected youth around the world. Unemployment rates, I was just in Egypt a couple of weeks ago. Unemployment is at 25 or 30% for young people in Egypt which is really worrisome. And that's a trend we're seeing everywhere. So the creative economy has a unique set of solutions for communities that other industries don't necessarily offer. It's also an area where people can get involved and they don't need to be highly specialized. If I say, well, I'm going to start a biomedical company in Cairo, there aren't that many people who are skilled enough, educated enough to work in that company. However, if I'm going to start a, a music production company that's gathering music from around communities in Egypt and piping that out to the world, a lot of people could work at that company. So there's there are reasons that are sort of more strategic and almost tactical for working with creative entrepreneurs, but the foundation of what we do is connecting people and inviting them to care about people around the world. Yeah, that connecting is something I'm super passionate about, and I do believe that that is uh, the key. I think if you're able to tell the stories to connect people to a particular concept or to connect people from different backgrounds together it, it is it is super important and for better or worse the creative economy does is shaping our world right no matter which side you you stand on with the uh with social media it has had an impact in connecting creators exactly. in a good or bad way and we've yes. seen how how it's had an impact in elections and wars and inciting violence and setting up troll farms and we've also seen how it's brought people together to create, you know, life-changing companies or bring people that never would have known each other otherwise. So it's, yeah, it's just, a, well, and you can't always travel to places, you know, yeah. uh, it, it's not easy. So I was in Saudi Arabia um, right before I went to Egypt and people were fascinated, you know, a businesswoman from America going to Saudi Arabia, wasn't that awful. And I was like, no, I loved it. It was wonderful. People were, thrilled to meet me. People took me out to dinner. I didn't wear an abaya. I didn't wear anything on my head. Nobody cared. The experiences that we have when we travel open our eyes to uh, just, you know, the reality of what's really going on as opposed to the front page of whatever newspaper you read, right? Yeah. But we can't all travel. And so the creative uh, economy is a way that we can sort of teleport people <laughs> to other places and connect people again through whether it's podcasting as you do filmmaking music um youtubing those are all ways that we can connect people around the world yeah i 100 percent agree since we're talking about you know connecting people around the world i'm very curious about scalability and leadership so what are first steps that leaders can take to start building their own creative economy Great question. I think one of the uh, most important pieces that economic development leaders need to think about is 
putting aside the idea that tech companies are the only growth companies. Hmm. That's just erroneous thinking. The data prove the exact opposite. Um, not only uh, is the creative economy, as I said, growing faster than any other sector except health, uh, healthcare, but it also employs a lot more people. So put aside, if you're an economic development leader, the idea that quote-unquote tech companies are where all your growth will come from and instead say, okay, we need a multi-sector approach and the creative economy is one essential piece of that approach. Um, the next piece that's sort of much more day-to-day is when you meet someone who's an entrepreneur and that little voice in your head says, yeah, she's kind of weird. I don't think we're going to want to work with her. Instead say, huh, she's weird. That could be a really good thing. Because the people who are bringing forward the most innovative ideas, when they first get started, they look weird. They don't look innovative. They look weird. And we have a natural sort of tendency to go, well, you're kind of outside the norm. But it's exactly the entrepreneurs who are outside the norm who will create blockbuster new companies. The biggest companies we can think of when they were first born were weird. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they started to make sense and then they became small companies and then over time they became products and services we use every day in our life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the, yeah, a lot of the things that have been the norm today, whether it's, you know... Cell phones or... Yeah, Uber, or solar panels on your house. Airbnb, yep. Airbnb. <laughs> having a stranger come over to stay. Exactly, <laughs> uh, exactly. And yeah. the first time the entrepreneur who founded that weird thing said it out loud, everybody said, what? That's weird. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, a couple of years later, they looked like a genius. So don't write off the people. We say, look for the weird and the wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's where your disruptive growth will come from. Oh, I, I love this. I love this. So someone's listening right now and saying, well, I want to be part of Alice's movement. How can I join? Oh, well, you- it's not my movement. It's certainly, um, I, I feel lucky every day to be a part of a rising chorus of people around the world who are building the creative economy. Um, so coincidentally, we have applications open right now for our accelerator here in the U.S. We take applications from all over the world. Those are open until early January. So if you're interested, uh, go to the website at creativestartups.org and you can find lots of information on the accelerator and contact us. Um, we have a new book called Creative Economy Entrepreneurs from Startup to Success that people can get on Amazon. And that's a great tool for leaders who want to build their creative economy and people who want to understand the creative economy a little more. It's sort of equal parts data, stories, and practical how-to information. Um, And people can reach out to us via our website. We answer every single inquiry we get. Awesome. Awesome. I'll make sure I put all this in the show notes. This is definitely very educational. I like how you're helping people reframe what they think about when they think about, you know, creative entrepreneurs or or even just the, the, the actual impact that uh, creative entrepreneurs can have. But also how I like how you're dispelling the myth that creatives are bad business individuals. You know? Yeah. Um, I think that's always, the starving artist is a very common trope that we see, even in media. Uh, and, you know, from 
environments like where I come from, where traditional jobs are, are usually the norm. And so you say you want to do something like that. It's met with dread and horror, like, well, how are you going to make money <laughs> or are you going to be bored and, you know, um, struggling rather. So I, I do I do I do appreciate what, what you're trying to do uh, in terms of just changing that story. And I, and I definitely agree with that. I um, I have all the information I need for people to connect with you, but I want to know a little bit more about you as we close here. So my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. That's the reason I do anything. I do. It's the foundation of my platform. And it's what gets me up in the morning, writing, speaking, consulting. So how do you, Alice, use your difference to make a difference? I think I just keep believing in uh, the way that I see how business and entrepreneurship can change the world, even when uh, the world pushes back on that different view. Um, And, you know, it looks like I fit in right now, but I've spent about 20 years battling uphill to be uh, considered someone who understands entrepreneurship because I apply this different lens. Mm, mm. And, and you're basically committing to being yourself, is what you're saying. And, yeah, yeah and sticking with it. Sticking with it, which is a good way. Well, I do, I, do, I do want to thank you so much, Alice, for coming on the show. I think, you know, a lot of what we need in today's world is reframing, and you've just, you've done a lot of that. And even with some of the tidbits, like encouraging the education institutions to start at a very young age introducing the concepts of these things and giving people the tools for them to take agency of their careers is, uh, is awesome <laughs> and it's needed. And it, it's, you know, it's what will ultimately lead to the future of tomorrow for the better or the worse. And if we're encouraging people to be creative and showing them that they don't have to alter parts of themselves, I think we have a chance at keep making the world a better place. Me too. Thank Thanks you. for all the work you do. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. And ladies and gentlemen, Till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.